I'm Jim Brown, your Bible teacher here at Grace and Truth Ministries. I've been teaching you about the coronavirus and why it's here. I'm going to say it again. Christmas and Easter and Valentine's and Mardi Gras and and any of those other pagan holidays, they are the reason for corona, coronavirus. That's why. What do you mean by that? It's the preachers in America. The preachers are the reason for coronavirus. has nothing to do with Democrats and Republicans. It doesn't matter who started, who was behind it. Now they're saying, I noticed in an article this morning, now they're saying the Chinese say it came out of England. I don't care where it came from. If men invent something that's devastating to the world, God put it in their heart to do it. Because he's declared the end from the beginning and from ancient times everything that's not yet done. Now, God says in Deuteronomy 28 and in Leviticus 26 and in Exodus 15 if you keep my commandments and my statutes which will be all of the word of God, which will be the word of God. Word of God. If you don't keep them, if you keep them, if you keep my commandments and statutes, the word of God, I will fill up your storehouses. What's the big deal about that? Well, they didn't have Kroger or Publix or or they didn't have... uh, they didn't have these supermarkets that we have. They didn't have them. They didn't have local grocery stores. They had to have a way to get through the winter months. And God says, if you keep my statutes commandments, I'll fill up your fields with so much crops. That was the big thing about the ancient world. What are we going to eat? I think it's a big thing today, isn't it? What are we going to eat? God says, I'll fill up your storehouses, your fields. He says, I'll fill up your basket. You'll go out to gather the crops. Your baskets will be full. Your storehouses will be full. Your fields will be full of crops till it will last you through the dead of winter. He said, you'll go against your enemy one way. And they will flee seven ways. He's saying, if you're obedient to me, you can conquer your enemy. It doesn't matter how many there are. That's what we had over there in the 14th chapter of 2 Chronicles where you had a king named Asa and he was righteous. He wiped out the land of all idolatry. And Asa took 500,000 men. Well, that sounds like a lot, a big army. It wasn't compared to what he went against. He went against a million men. A million Ethiopians 
and they had 300 chariots of iron. And the chariots of iron had those scythes on the wheels. Nobody could stand against those. They were like blades. And they would just cut people down. You've seen that in a lot of movies. You couldn't stand before chariots of iron. Nobody could. They'd just take off into a crowd and just rip bodies apart. Nothing you could do about it. And he said, you'll go against your enemy. And then when he went against these million Ethiopians with the Israelites, they, like the old saying goes, they whipped them hip and thigh. They ripped them apart. And God says, that's what you'll do when you've got a righteous king like Asa. At one point, they had, he said, this is if you obedient to me. At one point, Israel had around 7,500 men. And at that time, Ahab was the king of Israel. Now, that's in 1 Kings over in the the 20th chapter. And Ahab was an evil king, but there was a king of Syria just above Israel, Ben-Hadad. I just might add this, Ben always meant son of Hadad. And he was wicked, and he says to Israel, I want an unconditional surrender. Otherwise, I'm going to slaughter you. And that's something you don't do with God. Now, God had intentions of killing Ahab. But he tells this king, you're not going to come against my king. I'll tell you when I'm going to kill him. You're not going to do that. So... 7,000 or 7,500 went against 120,000 of these men from Syria under the rule of Ben-Hadad. And they just tore tore them apart with a little over 7,000 men. And King Ben-Hadad said, Well, you fought us in the mountains. And your God is a God of the mountains. That was saying a lot because they said the demons are the genies, which was their ancestors. They patrolled around them and they took care of them. And they had gods of the sea and gods of the mountains and gods of the plains. And God didn't like them calling him a demon. So God says, now, Ahab, what I want you to do you tell, you tell Ben-Hadad, send the message to him that we're not going to do it his way, that you're going to meet him on the plain. So he met Ben-Hadad's army on the plain. Ben-Hadad's army with 120,000 men covered the plain. And it, the Bible says that Ahab and his armies with 7,000 men encamped against them and they were like two little flocks of kids. A kid is a goat. It looked like two little flocks are going to attack this huge Syrian army. And they did. And they whipped them bad. 
tore him apart. This is what God says. And then God later on killed Ahab. Had him killed. You're not going to tell God when his people are going to do something. So he said, if you're not obedient in Deuteronomy 15 or 28, 15, I'm going to send four judgments, the sword, the famine, the pestilence, and the beast. And they were not obedient, and God sent the pestilence, disease. I keep saying all these diseases that come are because of disobedience of God's people. How can the people obey God? How can they obey God when the preachers lie from the pulpits? Preachers are lying. And the first thing Israel did when they were in captivity or when they were in bondage, they were in bondage for 400 years in Egypt. And then Moses comes along in Exodus, the second chapter, he's born. And then he comes to him in the fourth and fifth and sixth chapter. God comes to Moses and said, deliver my people from from Egypt. They've been in bondage 400 years. Well, when they come out of bondage, God tells Israel in that in that. 12th chapter, that's where they had the last plague on Egypt. And that was the that was the plague of the death of the firstborn, and that was firstborn, and that was Passover. And everybody that doesn't have the blood of the lamb, the firstborn lamb of the flock upon the doorpost of their house, they will die. And the firstborn of Egypt all died. They all died. And then when they're going into, they leave Egypt, and then God says, Moses, you're going to be 40 years in the wilderness. You're not obedient to me when you come into that new land. If you go after other gods, and they did, I'm going to send the sword, the famine, the pestilence, and then I'm going to send the beast to carry you away. The thing is, they got involved in the Christmas system. The Christmas, or Baal in the Grove. Now, some preachers are trying to say, they're trying to say that this isn't Christmas. It's exactly Christmas. It was the tree goddess, the grove, and it was the fire god, the sun. That was the fire god. This has to do with what's going on today. Today, you've got the Baptist You have the Charismatics. You have the Pentecostals. And they're all preaching false doctrine. Now the Baptists will really resent this because they think we believe in Jesus and accepting Christ and being born again. There's no such thing as accept Christ as your personal Savior. No such thing. 
The Bible doesn't teach that. The Bible says the natural man does not receive, does not accept the spiritual things of God. When you're dead in sin, you cannot accept anything spiritual or make any religious decisions. You're dead. The natural man does not receive decomai. Dec is the word ten in the Greek. A decade is ten years. And decomai means to reach out the ten fingers and accept an offer that's been given. You Baptists that say accept Christ, the Bible says when you're dead in sin, you can't. And all you really, will you accept the things of God? Only after you're born again by His will. That's all. No other way. And the Baptist's favorite verse, favorite way of being saved is praying a sinner's prayer. And the Bible says that is not true. Oh, everybody goes to Romans 10, 13, for whosoever shall call upon the name of the Lord shall be saved. But the next verse tells you you can't do that till you believe. How then shall they call on him in whom they've not believed? And believe is the method of salvation. Believe is the verb form of faith. And the Paul told the Philippian jailer, believe on the Lord Jesus Christ. I'm building up to the Christmas thing. Christmas. Israel went after the Christmas system, the tree god, grove. Grove was was Asherah. That's the word. Asherah means the tree goddess, the upright goddess. And the and that was the grove. Baal was the sun god, and he was the god of fire. And we get all of these lights at Christmas representing the fire. And the Bible says in Revelation 17 and 5 that Babylon was the mother. She gave birth to, she nurtured, and brought it to life that she was the mother of all harlots pornea p-o-r-n-e-i-a pornea means idolatry that means to serve what you see ido to see and la truo means to serve what you see now what does this all have to do the charismatics talk about faith healing and there's no such thing they talk about speaking in tongues that's a lie I could go for an hour on all of these there's two words for tongue in the Greek dialectos and the word glossa they had a different dialect in every city state in glossa, we get our word glossary from that, means foreign language. That's what it's talking about. It's not talking about Shandala, Kandai, Mandai, Mumbo, Jumbo. Do you know that's blasphemous when they do that? 
They'll say, I'm being blasphemed. I'm blaspheming. No, you're blaspheming if you speak in tongues and you don't bother to find out what that is. Now, there's preachers that will say, you get that out of the two Babylons. I'm sorry. I've got a copy of two Babylons down here. I've wore it out. Let me tell you about when I started studying two Babylons. That's not where I got that Christmas was pagan. And people will say, uh, the two Babylons has been debunked by great authorities. They have not. They think they have, but it's not true. The two Babylons was written by Alexander Hislop. Alexander Hislop Hislop He wrote the two Babylons That is without a doubt the most detailed one book I have ever read in my life Let me tell you how I came into it Let me tell you how I found out Christmas was pagan. 1951, I was 12 years old, and I lived in Fort Worth, Texas. I was raised there. I had been suspecting for some time that something was wrong with Christmas. I remember the first time I lived on Bird Street in Fort Worth, right off to Sylvania Avenue. I was a little kid, about four and a half, five years old. We were coming in one Christmas Eve from being somewhere. I didn't get this from my father or my family. And I was the kind of kid that I would not agree to something. I don't care who said it if I could not verify it. As we were going to the house one Christmas Eve, my father, probably 36, 37 that time, uh, my father said, as we were going into the front door, he said, there goes Santa Claus on that other street over there. My older brother Clyde was gullible. He said, yeah, I see him. I said, I don't see him. I would just say, no, I don't see him. And I couldn't figure out how there could be a Santa Claus that could come down our chimney. We didn't have a chimney. How's he going to get in? And it was just a little cheap house. He'd have to break in and break the door down or pick the lock. And I couldn't understand that. Then later on, we moved out to the poly section of Fort Worth. I was in the third grade. Miss Underwood was my teacher. I never forgot that she said she was talking about the maypole tree in Russia. She said, our Christmas tree comes from the same background as the maypole tree. I never forgot that. And I was suspecting when I hit about seven or eight... And I found out that Santa Claus was a myth. I just was so disappointed. I thought, how could my mother and father lie to me that way? 
then in, we moved around in Fort Worth, was always moving. I counted the places I'd lived when I was 40 years old. I lived in 41 different places. We just moved constantly. We ended up in in Polly. That's where Miss Underwood said that. Then we moved to Diamond Hill section. When we were in Diamond Hill, we lived at 3307 Grover Street. And while we was on Grover, my brother ran around with a guy in his class. He was a year older than me, and his name was Bill Hunter. And he came in one day and said, Bill's dad bought a television. And we all said, what's that? Because up to that point, we all sat around the radio and listened to Fibber McGee and Molly, and we'd listen to gangbusters, and, and we just sat there and, with our ear up to the radio and we'd listen to all of those things and my father found out what a TV was this I hadn't looked at Alexander Hislop he brought in a box about this big and it had rabbit ears and had a little bitty tiny 8 inch screen and I couldn't understand why Bill Hunter had a 17-inch screen. We had an 18-inch screen. Man, it was like that. We looked at. We had never seen a TV in a house. We watched everything. We watched. Believe it or not, I Love Lucy was fairly new, and we watched that every week. We watched. I remember we watched the wrestling on Tuesday night. It came from the Sportatorium down in North Fort Worth, and we watched the Midnight Mass. And as uh, here I am, I can take you right to the place, right to the house. I can take you to the corner of the room where the couch sat, and I can show you where the TV sat. And we it, it, we had one of them cheap TVs back then. You had to reach around and adjust the horizontal hole to go the picture go like that, and we'd have to adjust it. And we watched the kids' shows. We'd watch Howdy Doody, if you remember that. And we watch anything because we were enamored, and we turned off all the lights so it's pitch dark, and all we could see is that screen. We didn't know we could see it better if we had one light on, because they discovered that later. And we watched the Midnight Mass. And as a little kid, and I had remember my father going out and listening to a converted priest who came out of Catholicism. Long story to that. And I had heard that the that the Protestants hated Roman Catholicism. And I had heard that the Mass was eating human flesh. I would heard that somewhere along the way. And my... And I watched that and I'm sitting there with my, I didn't know it at the time, but I had this analytical mind and I was analyzing everything. And I'm watching the Pope and I'm saying, this is Christmas Eve and there's the Mass. Is this Christ Mass? Is that what this is? And they dropped an S on the end of the word to disguise it. That's exactly what it is. And the Mass is eating human flesh. That's the focal point of the Roman Catholic Church. And I was thinking, 
I think St. Nicholas was a Roman Catholic priest or something. I found out years later that St. Nicholas was a Roman Catholic bishop of the third of the fourth century, and some of the writers later on I found out believed that he was a pedophile because he gave gifts to children. And I'm sitting there hitting the nail on the head. So I began to kind of resent Christmas to some degree as a little boy. And what I did, I went into the scriptures. At 17, my mother and father gave me a Bible. I started trying to read it. My father was a Baptist preacher, an independent Baptist, and he didn't know much about the Bible. He would read the same five or six, seven verses every time he got up and tell stories about his life. And I, at 17, I used to think, Lord, I really, I really want to learn your word. I don't know where to start. And I would read, I'd quit. And I'd read, and I'd quit. And I'd read and quit, and read and quit. Does anybody else ever do that besides me? Everybody does it that way. But I kept on till things begin to come together. And I kept studying. I ended up singing gospel music. And I ended up, I sang with the Blackwoods for about a year and a half or two years. And then I started my own group called the Lancers. And I booked myself into churches all over America, I'd go in there and preach and study and preach. And then when I started this ministry, this was actually going on 32 years ago. But when I was 40, I was 40, I had been studying the Old Testament. I didn't know nothing about Alexander Hislop. But what I did, when I was about 40, I began to question all these things in the Old Testament, all the gods of the Old Testament, Baal, Grove, Shemash, and I began to, I began to look at them and I wondered where, what they were. And I began to suspect, having studied that all these gods that Israel was worshipping and all the world was worshipping, that they came out of Rome and Greece. And when I was on the road, I had heard about a seminary in Washington, D.C. It was Washington Bible Institute. And I was kind of a, I was kind of afraid. I didn't know what to do. I got to thinking these gods of the Old Testament are the same thing that's in Christmas. And I just couldn't understand it. So what I did, I called Washington Bible Institute and asked the secretary, I need to talk to your best professor your best history, biblical history professor. She gave me his name and his phone number. 
I haven't studied Alexander Hislop. Wasn't even familiar with him yet. And I called this, I don't even remember his name. And I said, Professor, I'm a young preacher down here in Nashville, Tennessee. And I want to ask you a question. I said, I am so confused about these gods that Israel went after. I'd been spending my life in that, in the Old Testament. And I am so confused about it. I said, I think that we are, with this thing called Christmas and Easter, I think we are serving these Roman Greek gods and Grecian Greek gods like Hercules and Venus and Aphrodite. He didn't even comment. He just said, Pastor Brown, all you need is two, one set of books called, called Cyclopedia of Biblical Theological and ecclesiastical literature. And that sees right here. I got a set here recommended by that professor. I have studied my brains out in these. You could go into it. You can look at the birthday of Mithra. Look in the M volume. It'll tell you the most celebrated day in the ancient world in Rome was the Mithra's birthday, which was December the 25th. There's a reason for that. And he said, you need a book by Alexander Hislop. His lot, and it's called the two Babylons. The two Babylons, and he said, "I think you'll be on your way." I got both of them. I have studied the two Babylons till it is this one right here was my original one. I've got a couple others, and I have studied this till it has fallen apart. Mr. Hislop was a member of the Free Church of Scotland. It doesn't mean free will. The Free Church means free grace. Free Church. He was a Puritan and a Reformer. When people try to debunk him, they're trying to debunk one of the most scholarly men that I have ever read after. Puritan. He was a reformer. And his book has got more information on one page than anything I have ever read. It is utterly magnificent. And being a member of the Free Church, he believed in predestination, election, the sovereignty of God. The reason people want to put him down is because of all the other things he believes. Now, let me read something to you out of his book on Christmas. I, I don't really care what people think. 
I think the world is just ignorant and proud of it. Hold on here. Let me get... This is out of the section on Christmas in his book. All right. Well, I know what page it's on in his book. I can use his book. It's on page 96. That's where the Christmas section begins. Let me read this to you. And I would just want to read it so you can hear what he has to say. 96. All right. He is very, very smart man. I had somebody write and said she talked to her pastor and he said, oh, that's not right. That book is... Your pastor is ignorant. It'll tell you, no doubt the climate of Palestine is not so severe as the climate of this country, but even there, though the heat through the heat of the day be considerable, the cold of the night from December to February is very piercing, and it was not the custom for the shepherds of Judea to watch their flocks in an open field later than about the end of December. They didn't stay in the field after the second rains. The first rains came in September, October, and the second the first rains and the second rains came in November, December. And they wouldn't have been in the field with their flocks. As the birth of Christ, every woman and child was to go to be taxed at the city whereto they belonged, whither some had long journeys, but the middle of winter was not fitting for such business, especially for women with child. Therefore, Christ could not be born in the depth of winter. They wouldn't have been traveling from Samaria or from Nazareth down to down to uh, Bethlehem. Indeed, it is admitted that there must, that by the most learned and candid writers of all parties, that the day of our Lord's birth cannot be determined. Then he goes on to talk about the, in ordering the, they had a, well, let me read it. How then did the Romish church fix on December the 25th as the Christmas day? That was set up by Constantine and the following priest of the Roman church. Why thus, long before the 4th century, long before Christian era itself, a festival was celebrated among the heathen at that precise time of the year in honor of the birth of the son of the Babylonian queen of heaven. Now you're going to find that anyone who knows anything about Catholicism knows that the Mary of Roman Catholicism is called queen of heaven and Israel was condemned for worshiping the queen of heaven 600 years before Mary was born in Jeremiah the 7th chapter and Jeremiah the 44th chapter and it may fairly be presumed that in order to conciliate the heathen and to swell the number of nominal adherents to Christianity the same festival was adopted by the Roman church giving it only the name of Christ this tendency on the part of Christians to meet 
paganism halfway was very early developed. We find Tertullian, one of the early church fathers, even in his day, about the year 230, bitterly lamenting the inconsistency of the disciples of Christ in this respect and contrasting it with the strict fidelity of the pagans to their own superstitions. By us, says he, we are strangers to Sabbaths, new moons, and festivals, once acceptable to God, the Saturnalia, the Feast of January, the Brumalia, and the Metronalia are now frequented. Those are all pagan, unholy days. Gifts are carried to and fro. That's where the gifts come from. New Year's Day, Presents presents are made with din, that means partying, and sports and banquets are celebrated with uproar. And how much more faithful are the heathen to their religion? Upright men strove to stem the tide of, from paganism to Christianity, but in spite of their efforts, the apostasy went on till the church with the exception of a small remnant, was submerged under pagan superstition that Christmas was originally a pagan festival is beyond all doubt. It's the Feast of Saturn that went from December the 17th to the 24th. The time of the year, the ceremonies with which it shall be celebrated, proved its origin. In Egypt, the son of Isis, the Egyptian title of the Queen of Heaven in Egypt, Isis, was born at this time, about the time of the winter solstice. The very name by which Christmas is popularly known among ourselves, Yule Day, proves at once its pagan and Babylonian origin. Yule is the Chaldean name for infant or little child. And then he goes on. I'm going to read some more to you out of this. Yule Day or Child's Day and the night that preceded it was called Mother Night or what we call Christmas Eve. Long before they came in contact with Christianity, that sufficiently proves its real character. Far and wide in the realms of paganism was this birthday observed. But there is an indubitable evidence that the festival in question had a much higher reference than this, that it commemorated not only the figurative birthday of the sun, or Natalis Solis Invicti, the birthday of the unconquerable sun, in the renewal of its course, but the birthday of the grand deliverer among the Sabians of Arabia, who regarded the moon and got and not the sun as the visible symbol of the favorite object of their idolatry. So on the 24th or the 10th of the month, that is December, according to our reckoning, the Arabians celebrated the birthday of the Lord, that is the moon. That's why among the Arabians you see the moon god on their flags. It's a symbol of the Arabian people. The crescent moon. You see that on the flag of the Turks? And you see it, this quarter moon, you see it on the fezes of the Shriners. 
They're not Christian. On the 24th of the 10th month, that is December, according to our reckoning, the Arabians celebrated the birthday of the Lord, that is the moon. The Lord moon was the great object of Arabian worship, and that Lord moon, according to them, was born on the 24th of December, which clearly shows that the birth which they celebrated had no necessary connection with the course of the sun. And then let me read a little bit more here. There's much more to read about it. It's talking about the revelry they were involved in and how they exchanged the slaves, exchanged the place with the, with the, they exchanged the place with the, one of the rulers or the leaders. The slave would move into the, into the seat of one of the rulers and the ruler would move in to his spot and this was called the festival this is another title for the feast of Saturn festival of the lord of misrule that's an official title for the Saturnalia or the festival of the fool and the fool would wear the fool's hat or we call it the dunce hat and that goes along with the priest of Baal wore tall white pointed hats and white sheets and worshipped a flaming cross on Lady Day in the ancient world and that clan comes out of the same system and this is the fool's hat and they put this on the man for seven days from, now this is where Christmas comes from from, De- from December the 17th through the 24th that was called the festival of the fool or the or it was called the Saturnalia they threw the log the yule log in the fire or the child and it sprung out the next day in the form of a tree and it had gifts under the tree that goes back to the garden and the pagan said the tree was the giver of all divine gifts to man and the divine gifts John says are all that's in the world and John said this is what's in the world the lust of the flesh the lust of the eye and the pride of life and that's what Eve saw in the tree a tree that was good for food good for food and it would fulfill the lust of her flesh the lust of the eye the lust of the eye, lust, epithumia, means to long for that which is forbidden. Epithumia, it means to breathe hard upon. And the pride of life, that was, she saw a tree that would make her wise. She could be proud of herself. That's the three gifts of a genie or the three gifts of the demon. And 
that's what they had this festival. It was a seven-day festival. And I've had people say that Easter being pagan is not in the Bible. Yes, it is. Yes, it is. They had... What they had was all of these festivals. These were pagan festivals. And let me put this on the board. It has to do with the sun going through its orbit. has to do with this. As are the earth going through its orbit around the sun. If this is the sun and this is the earth and the orbit. The earth leans at 23 and one half degrees. It's slanted at that. In the northern hemisphere, when when the earth is leaning toward the sun, we're in the middle of summer. When it's leaning away, we're at winter. Now this has to do with what Paul told the churches in the New Testament. He would tell all of them. He would mention something about light and darkness. And the earth is going through its path around the sun. This right here in winter, the depth of winter, would be December the 21st. That was the winter solstice. Winter solstice. That's the winter solstice, the longest nights of the year. And that was due to the revolution of the earth going around the sun. But they thought longest nights of the year, and they thought either the either the sun was dying when it got to this point. These were ancient people that weren't as educated as we are. And they didn't know about the sun, or they didn't know the earth was going around the sun. It was wasn't until later on until uh some of the later scientists come up with this and they were put to death because for they said that. So this as the earth is going around the sun, it looks like the sun is getting dimmer, but it's not. It's our leaning toward and away from the sun. This this is summer as you're going into the fall and as you headed to the winter, you're getting to the depth of winter, December the 21st. And when we get over here, the people think the sun is running away from us or it's dying. So we've got to do something. They had a party at this point from December the 17th through the 24th. And that was the Feast of Saturn. Why the Feast of Saturn? Saturn was the chief sun god in Rome. He was the chief sun god, and he had a son called Mithra. This is all mythology. It's not true, but 
Saturn was the head sun god, so they had this feast of Saturn in his memory. So he, Mithra was supposed to be this sun that was waning and getting darker and darker. So they wanted to offer sacrifices unto Saturn, and they had a party for him in the middle of winter where they lit their bale fires. Bale fires. Are their bonfires, and what they're trying to do is warm up the earth and keep the keep the earth warm because they think the sun is moving away, and it's not. It's just we're on our axis going around and round. It's the same thing as the swastika. Same thing. This right here, right here. And this right here is the same thing as the swastika. The swastika is just the Big Dipper. And it's four phases. That's all it is. And Hitler got that from Tibet. When he sent Himmler to Tibet, he was looking for an Aryan race. And he had heard that the Tibetan people were tall with long legs and long arms. And he thought he would get him a superior race when he was a little short, squatty guy. And he really was an Aryan himself. A-R-Y-A-N. Aryan. He wanted an Aryan race. So he thought he went over there. And this was the good luck sign of the Tibetan Buddhist. This was a follower of Buddha. This was a sign of Buddha. And this was the Big Dipper, and they would look at the Big Dipper in June the 2nd, and then three months later, or June 3rd, excuse me, and three months later, they look at it on September the 3rd, and it would be here in the West. And then they had to go into fall, and winter was coming, and what they wanted to do was get from October all the way through the winter, get back to the spring. And they would look at it, in December the 3rd, it would be down here. And every three months at midnight, this is what they would do. What's really amazing to me, you can go on the Internet and look up Big Dipper in the Stars, and this is what you'll see, the swastika. When you celebrate Christmas and Easter, this is what you're celebrating, the swastika. And when you get into all, you've got eight, one, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight. You've got eight festivals. Eight pagan festivals. And this right here is All Hallows Eve. That's where the dead 
that's where this is a picture of the crops dying as you go into the fall the crops dying and what they do they say the dead comes back and they have to feed the dead and they have to make sure the dead has plenty of food and you notice that's that is confusing with the festival of saturn because they thought they had to leave out food for the dead or food for saint nicholas or for santa claus and it's all just a convolution is what it is and then you had yule down here so this is the same thing as this it's the same thing as this here same thing it's just different ways of expressing it so when they got through the winter as they would get to february february in february they would have the same thing that they had at rome let me erase this and put something else up here they would have the same thing in february let me put it up here this way this is one of my favorite ways to put it on the board this is the sun waning but it's not the sun it's the earth on its axis i've got a t-shirt that says the swastika the big dippers the reason for the season and it's got a swastika right in the middle of it and then i've got one that says uh, the tilt of the earth is the reason for the season and it is that's where the season comes from now it's like this and that's what i'm doing is repeating this right here and for a purpose and you've got Let me see here. Let me move that a little higher. You got the winter solstice right here. Winter solstice. This is the sun. This is the sun appearing to get dimmer and dimmer. You have noticed that in Middle Tennessee, it starts getting dim at about 6 o'clock. You've noticed that, hadn't you? The sun rises about five in the middle of summer and sets about 8.45 here in Middle Tennessee, 8.45 in the evening. The sun comes up about 6.30 or 7 in the dead of winter here and 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 settles about 5.30. So they thought that meant the sun was moving away. Well, this is, you had the summer solstice, the longest days of the year. You had the winter solstice, the longest nights of the year. And you had the equinox. Equinox means equal night. And that would be September, October, or September the 21st. And then you had the equinox down here. 
Equinox is very important because that means there's 12 hours in the day and 12 hours in the night. The next day, the dark would begin to prevail. This is what's very important. According to what Paul would tell the the Gentile churches, the Gentiles in the Old Testament were the worshipers of these dark holidays. The winter, the equinox, the fall equinox, equal night, comes there at September the 21st, and that's where the darkness begins to prevail. And that's where you've got Halloween, or All Hallows' Eve, and you've got the dates on these, in this, I've got the names of the, of the, uh, Oh, let me, I got it right here. This, on the, let me try to compare this so you can see it. On the swastika or the Big Dipper, you've got the Samhain here. This was one of the holidays of the ancient world. And you can put the Big Dipper in there or not. Then you had Yule right here. And then you had Beltane, which comes from the word Baal, right here. And that's going into February. And then you had Midsummer here. This is their unholy days. Embog right here. And then you had Ostera, which is which is Easter. And Easter was the goddess of the spring. And why they put that in the King James Bible, that had to be that had to be a compromise of the Protestants to the Roman Catholic. That's found one time in the Bible, but it's not Easter. It's in the twelfth chapter of Acts. It's the word Pascha. And Pascha is Passover. It says after Easter, Peter was released. And it's not Easter, it's Passover. That's one of those eras of the King James Bible. Now here's the whole point I'm getting at. When you get to here, to Yule, you're going into winter. When you get to this this equinox, this fall equinox, you're going into winter. And this is all darkness in here. Darkness. Then you have the winter solstice here, or the Saturnalia, feast of Saturn. And you had at Samhain, that was celebrated among the, that celebrated, uh, that's Druidic worship. Oh, that's the Celts form, the Celtic form of the Feast of Saturn. You got the Feast of Saturn, that's a seven-day period. Then when you get into... You get into February, 
14th, excuse me, 7th through the 14th, that's a seven-day festival. That's like a repeat of the seven-day festival here in in uh, in Rome, and then the the this seven-day festival here that starts on February the fourteenth of seventh through the fourteenth. That is that is the Frank's form. That's France, Frank's form of the Saturnalia or of this feast of Samhain which was the Celtic form in England all these all these societies had their different forms of this now where is Easter referred to or reflected in the Bible it's found whenever you get to February the 7th through the 14th that was what the Franks called or the French called Mardi Gras Mardi Gras and the festival of Saturn are the same thing in different cultures Mardi Gras they had this seven day festival on the 14th they glutted themselves, fed themselves, engaged in all kinds of sexual promiscuity. That's the same thing they did at the Saturnalia. Do you think Jesus wants his name on an orgy? It was an orgy in the streets. The same thing as Mardi Gras. And Mardi Gras in America is the same sexual festival. And Jesus wants his name on it? That's insane. There's people that say, well, we can celebrate the birth of Jesus. The Bible says the day of one's birth is to be celebrated above everything else. Not the day of one's death, not the day of one's birth. In Ecclesiastes 7 and 1. So on the 14th, that was the last day that they called Mardi Gras. Mardi Gras means fat Tuesday. It would always end on Tuesday because they had 360 days in their calendar. So it would end on Tuesday and they would gut and stuff themselves and at the end of the Mardi Gras, they would kill the fool. They had the same thing, a man that served as the fool for that seven days as the man that served at the festival of the fool over in Rome, and they would kill him and they killed the other one. They had him kill himself at the festival of Saturnalia. And they would commit suicide. They'd have all the sexual appetite they wanted to fulfill all the food and everything and then they would die at the end of it and Jesus name is on that I don't think so so where do you find this in the Bible on the 15th the next day would come on Wednesday and the Roman Catholics brought that into the into their 
into their rights and call that 40 days of mourning for Tammuz their fish god and sun god he was a fish and sun god and I'll go into him and this 15th 40 days came on Wednesday and the Catholics brought that in the church and called it Ash Wednesday and they brought this 40 days morning and brought that into the church and called that Lent and 40 days from the 15th would be March 15th and they call that the day of annunciation the Catholics did when they brought that into the Roman Catholic Church the day of annunciation and exactly actually March excuse me 25th March 25th was exactly nine months and what's what the Queen of Heaven was announcing was nine months later on December the 25th was announcing the birth of the sun god of the ancient world sun god and that was Natalis Solus Invicti That means the birth, nativity of the unconquerable invicti means not conquerable sun. So the sun that they thought was burning out, they'd have all these bonfires and these festivals of the sun, and it would begin to wax greater again. But here's the whole point. The darkness was the festival of the Gentiles of the ancient world began with this with this Samhain went all the way through to this to this equinox when the sun began to when the sun began to prevail again at the end of the at this dark period and that would be at the beginning of the harvest which was March April this everything this was about was about food that's all it was about now let's go look at where this is in the bible go to go back to people say easter is not in the bible yeah it is it's an evil thing in the bible easter it's actually ishtar ishtar I don't know if you can get this, but this is Ishtar was Aster, A-S-T-E-R, which it comes from Aster, which is the word star in the Greek, and all these were worshipped in the stars. You get the word Ashtart or Ashtaroth. These are all variations of the word Ashtaroth, 
and the Ashtaroth were the female deity tree goddesses of all the ancient world the tree goddesses now I'm trying to explain I've said this over and over again but let's look at look at Ezekiel the 8th chapter Ezekiel is over in Babylon he's telling you how evil Israel has been Ezekiel was carried captive in 587 86 somewhere in that neighborhood BC he was carried into Babylon there were three deportations one in in 605 by the Babylonian king BC one in 5 not 587 597 excuse me somebody should have corrected me on that 597 96 BC and then the last one was 3 excuse me 586 that was the devastation of Israel or Jerusalem 586 BC that's when Nebuchadnezzar came in and slaughtered Israel and tore down their temple and all their houses and burned them to the ground and carried Israel to captivity in Babylon and he left only the poor and the needy there and Jeremiah stayed with the poor and the needy now what Ezekiel is doing he's over here in Babylon prophesying about what God's going to do in 586 and the devastation he's going to bring upon Israel because they worshipped the fire and the tree goddess all these years. Now here, this is where you find Easter in the Bible. Ezekiel, the 8th chapter. Easter has to do with what that was, that was on March the 25th. That was where, that was where Ishtar, I want you to kind of get a hold of this. It's very figurative language. Ishtar raises Tammuz from the dead. Look here, this is what it's about. Here at the beginning of the end of the harvest, all the crops die. And they call the crops gods. Then when you get down here to the to the spring equinox, you're getting to the crops coming back. So the crops, as they're beginning to harvest, the early crops in March, April, that's when the first crops come in, or the first fruits. That's a picture of the gods, not capital G, little g-o-d-s. That's a picture, and that's a time of darkness. And that's what the Gentiles worshipped, were these gods during this period of darkness. So that's why Paul would tell the Ephesian Gentile church, in the fifth chapter of Ephesians, you are darkness. 
but now are ye light in the Lord. What does he mean by that? Because when you get to, let me erase this. When you get, when God promised Israel, I'll give you plenty of crops. I'll multiply everything, your storehouses, your basket, your store. He's talking about when you get to the spring equinox, you go into the brightness of summer until you get back to to the to the winter or to the fall equinox and you get back to the darkness again back to dark so when God promises Israel when he promises Israel he promises them crops he's promises them crops in the light the sun has to be shining in the spring summer and the beginning of fall which is the end of the harvest so all during this time period of light that's what Paul says and to every one of the member Paul was a missionary to the Gentiles Gentiles Peter was a missionary to the Jews so when Paul is to the Gentiles, he tells all of them, every one of the books he writes to the Gentiles, he talks about darkness to light. He's talking about from idols to God. And all of their celebrations was from was from in the dark time of the year, from here to here. In the light, that's when they had their crops that he speaks of in Deuteronomy 28. I'll fill up your store. I'll fill up your fields. I'll fill up your basket. You'll Everything, you'll have all the food you need. As long as you serve me, you'll be children of light. But if you don't, you go to serving these other gods, I'm going to destroy your crops. It was funny. It was all about food and how we're going to live. How much time do I have, Mike? 18. Let's look at this in Ezekiel. People say Easter's not a Bible. Certainly it is. It's got Tammuz in here and women weeping and that's what they would do when they would get to that 40 day mourning for Tammuz. They wept for Tammuz until he was resurrected March the 25th. I'm kind of overriding into the light, but that was before the light began. Light actually overtakes darkness coming the equinoxes. At the first equinox here, darkness starts overtaking light. When you get to this equinox, light overtakes the dark. And all of the festivals, the pagans, which whether whether it was Halloween or or Samhain or whatever you want to call it, all the way through here to here, 
that's where the sun is at its dimmest and that's the end of the harvest that's where that's all the gods of the pagans and they had various names for them they had many names now when you look here in Ezekiel the 8th chapter this is Easter right here the 8th chapter let me see here let's start reading here in verse 9 of chapter 8 and he said unto me go in and behold the wicked abominations that Israel is doing here well Ezekiel is over in Babylon he's telling what God's what they're doing and what God's going to do to them come 586 B.C. So I went in and saw and behold every form of creeping things in Israel an abominable beast and all the idols of the house of Israel portrayed upon the wall round about. They even drew all of these creatures on the walls of Israel. That's why God's going to destroy them. And there stood before them 70 men of the ancients of the house of Israel. These are Israelites. They're not pagans. Jazaniah, the son of Shaphan, with every man his censer in his hand, and the thick cloud of incense went up. Then said he unto me, Son of man, hast thou seen what the ancients of the house of Israel do in the dark? In the dark, we just said the dark was where they served their gods. Every man, see, every word of this has a meaning. Every man in his chambers of his imagery, for they said, the Lord seeth us not. They say that over and over. God doesn't know what we're doing. We're a small group in the scheme of all things. The Lord hath forsaken the earth. And he said unto me, Turn thou yet again, and thou shalt see the greater abominations that Israel is doing. This is why he scattered it for 2,600 years, and they didn't come back together as a nation till May 14th, 1948. Then he brought me to the door of the gate of the Lord's house, which was toward the north and behold there sat women weeping for Tammuz that's the 40 40 day period that they weep for Tammuz and then from from February the 15th until March 25th the day of annunciation the Roman Catholics brought all that into the church and called it Catholicism all these gods of Israel these are Roman Catholic now let's keep reading he said also unto me turn thee again and you shall see greater abominations that they do then he brought me to the door of the gate of the Lord's house which was toward the north and behold there sat women weeping for Tammuz then said he unto me hast thou seen this O son of man Ezekiel have you seen what Israel is doing over here in Israel and you're over here in Babylon you're 600 miles away 
Turn thee again, and thou shalt see greater abominations than these. And he brought me into the inner court of the Lord's house. The Lord's house is the temple. That's the house of God. And they're celebrating Easter here. Ishtar. The Lord's house is the temple. There's the veil. There's the Ark of the Covenant. Here's the candlesticks, the altar of incense, and the table of showbread. There's the brazen sea and the altar where they offered the sacrifices daily, the brazen altar. Then he said, He brought me to the inner court of the Lord's house. There's a court around this. The inner court somewhere in here. We find out it's right about here. He brought me to the inner court of the Lord's house, and behold, at the door of the temple of the Lord, right here, that's called Solomon's porch, right there, at the door of the temple of the Lord, behold, between the porch and the altar, between this porch right here, and this daily altar where they offered all their sacrifices, there were 25 men standing right here. The temple faced east. The back of it faced west. Here's south, north. There were 25 men here facing east, worshiping the rising sun. They were having a sunrise service in Israel. That's Easter. Ishtar. God's condemning them for that. Twenty. Between the porch and the altar. Somewhere right here. Were 25 men. Five and 20 men. With their backs toward the temple. Their backs this way. And they were facing the east. Toward the sun rising. And they worship the sun toward the east. That's a sunrise service. That's Ishtar. That's everything that's evil. That's why God is destroying them. Then he said unto me, Hast thou seen this, O son of man? Is this a light thing to the house of Judah, southern Israel? that they commit the abominations which they commit here, for they have filled the land with violence. I have allowed their enemies to come in and slaughter them, and the violence is in the land, because I said that if they didn't follow my words, their enemies will come against them one way, and they'll flee seven ways. That's a judgment against America for having partaken in this Christ mass system not just Christmas it's all the false doctrine that's going on in the churches today I am sick of the churches and the preachers in America I don't like any of them they compromise 
John MacArthur compromised and says, as long as you do this uh, and you do it for Christ, no, you can't do you can't do an orgy for Jesus. He said, you can add or take away from the Word of God. If you add to the Word of God, and Christmas and Easter is adding to the Word, he said, you'll found to be a liar there in Proverbs, the 30th chapter. Then said he unto me, verse 17, Hast thou seen this, O son of man? Is it a light thing to the house of Judah, southern Israel, that they commit the abominations which they commit here? For they have filled the land with violence. They return to provoke me to anger. Lo, they put the branch to the nose. Boy, that's a crude thing. When the men went out in the forest or away from the temple to do their do their number twos they'd wipe their bottom with a branch and God says that's how it stinks to me therefore we'll also deal in fury this is somewhere around 593 94 BC somewhere in the early 590s and God is saying, I'm going to deal in fury when just a few years down the road in 586, I'm going to bring Nebuchadnezzar and his armies in and they're going to slaughter Israel by the millions and carry them away captive and they will not come back until May of 1948 to become a nation. I've gone through all that. They cry in my ears, and with a loud voice, yet I will not hear them. He told Jeremiah, don't you pray for this people. I'm not going to hear. I'm doing all this for judgment. Then when you go over here to the to the 11th chapter, Moreover, the Spirit lifted me up and brought me into the east gate of the Lord's house, which looketh eastward, and behold, at the door... Of, at the door of the gate, five and twenty men, the same twenty-five men, among whom, among whom I saw Jehoshmonah, the son of Azur, and Palatia, the son of Benaiah, princes of the people. Then said he unto me, Son of man, these are the men that devise mischief. And mischief means evil. And give wicked counsel to this city. The only people that could be inside that inner gate or by the temple were high, was priests of God of the tribe of Levi. These were supposed to be righteous, godly men. And they say, it is not near. Judgment's not coming. God doesn't know what we're doing. Do you ever think that? I have. Let us build houses. This city is a cauldron. We be the flesh. Therefore prophesy against them. Prophesy, O son of man. Prophesy against these 25 men that's leading Israel astray. And the Spirit of the Lord fell upon me and said unto me, Speak, thus saith the Lord. Thus have ye said, O house of Israel, for I know the things that come into your mind, every one of them. I don't see how. And he says in verse 10, Ye shall fall by the sword. I will judge you. These are Israelites. 
And people read this and they think this is pagans. It's not pagans. It's people in Israel. It's Levites. It's people of the tribe of Judah. It's not pagans. I'm running out of time. I've got so much more to say. The main thing I want you to see is what Paul said when he says to the Gentile church, he says to him in Ephesians, he says, tells him in Ephesians, the fifth chapter, verse 8, For ye were sometimes darkness. All the Gentiles were darkness. But now you light in the Lord, walk as children of light. That's how you receive all the crops of God, which is the spiritually is the fruit of the Spirit. And when you go over here to Colossians, a Gentile church, a Gentile church in Colossians says in verse 11, verse chapter 1, Strengthen with all might according to his glorious power unto all patience and long suffering with joyfulness, giving thanks unto the Father which hath made us meet or worthy to be partakers of the inheritance of the saints in light. Colossia, Gentile church. That was on the western end of Turkey in Asia Minor. They were Gentiles. And he says in verse 13, Who hath delivered us from the power of darkness, the darkness there, where all the Gentiles worship their gods, and hath translated us into the kingdom of his dear son, and he calls his kingdom the kingdom of light. And that's what Paul said in Acts. He said, God sent me to bring the Gentiles to the light and all through the book of Isaiah the Bible says the Gentiles will come to the light they'll come to the truth I've got so much more do I have any time three Three minutes I don't have time to go to the queen of heaven Uh, maybe I'll go to one of Jeremiah Jeremiah 7 the Queen of Heaven is the Mary of Roman Catholicism. It don't matter whether anybody believes that or not. Ask any Roman Catholic who the Queen of Heaven is. They'll say Mary, the mother of Jesus. Chapter 7, verse 17. Seeing thou, seest thou not what they do in the cities of Judah, in the streets of Jerusalem? The children gather wood, and the fathers kindle the fire, and the women knead their dough to make cakes to the queen of heaven? That's the Mary of Roman Catholicism. They just brought all the Catholic things into the, all the fire gods things into the church, the lead, the 40 days mourning for Tammuz. And pour out drink offerings unto other gods, that they may provoke me to anger. They're worshiping the Queen of Heaven, and God says, that makes me angry. It don't matter whether people believe that Christmas and Easter are pagan. They are. I've had people say, aren't you going to take a day off to celebrate the birth of Christ? 
that's crazy. I, I worship God every day. I go out and witness every day. I don't take one day a year to worship God. Besides that, the Bible says the birth of a man is not what's important. It says in 7 and 1 of Ezekiel. Uh, not Ezekiel, Ecclesiastes 7 and 1. Here's what it says. A good name is better than precious ointment, and the day of death than the day of one's birth. Two birthdays in the New Testament, Herod's and Pharaoh's, they hung, they cut John the Baptist's head off on Herod's birthday, and they hung Pharaoh's baker on his birthday. And that's the only birthdays in the Bible. The early church did not celebrate birthdays at all. Origin tells you that. One of the early church fathers. I'm going to come back next week. Since we're going into the end of November and December's coming up, I'm going to try it. You say, Jim, do you do that every year about Christmas? Christmas is about everything that's in the Bible. It's about all the evil that Israel was involved in in the Old Testament. It's nothing but the Christmas system, nothing else. Do you know that all prophecy is about this? It's about Israel being perfected and away from their idolatry, which is Christmas. Let's pray. Lord, thank you for truth. Cause us to continue your work. God, I don't even know what to do sometimes. I want to say so many things. And I feel like I'm repeating myself, and I am, but your whole book is repetition over and over and over. Every prophet prophesying against Israel for their idolatry of this Christmas thing. Thank you for truth. Lead us to elect. Lord, help us all. In Christ's name, amen. There's nothing to preach about except Israel's idolatry, and it's the same thing as our idolatry. And telling people to be holy and godly, that's all it's about. I'm just depressed over the preachers that want to say Christmas is not pagan and Alexander Hislop. They debunked him. They haven't debunked anything. They debunked themselves is what they've done. <clears throat>